Hi, Talia Lazarus here and welcome back to I Got Back Up. Today I'm joined by Shelley Epstein. Shelley's journey took her from living her dream on the dazzling stages of Cirque du Soleil, embodying the spirit of the running woman, to a career-altering accident during rehearsals, which left her questioning her identity. But Shelley didn't let that defeat her. She has since emerged as a beacon of hope and evolved, using her unique experiences to guide and support athletes through the transitions beyond their sport careers, proving that sometimes the most profound lessons come from the University of Hope. So, join me as we evolve through the life of Shelley Epstein. Just a little bit of a backstory. Um, I started my career out as a gymnast, so my mum put me in baby gymnastics at six months old. I had a lot of energy and she thought that would, like, get rid of my energy. Nope, didn't help. Gave me more energy, <laughs> resented me for it, and then at the age of four, I, um, I had fallen in love with the sport, got selected for the squad, and I trained at a high level until I was 12. At 12, it was the first time I had that like natural instinct where that fire diminished a little bit and I knew that wasn't what I wanted to continue doing. Um, so I, and my parents were never ever pushy. My mom always was like, you know, if you wanna quit, that's okay. We like, we fully support you. They were the most supportive parents driving me. I mean, the gym I was training at was Heathrow Gymnastics Center, so it was like, a mission and a half for them to get me to and from gymnastics like four times a week um plus having siblings so it was a big burden on them bless them um so yeah I actually stepped down to more of a recreational but switching disciplines to display gymnastics from artistic and then fell in love with the sport all over again that fire rekindled and I did that until I was 18 and then at 18 years old, um, I'm very lucky and fortunate enough to say that I got to pursue and follow my dream. I'll take a back step already because I just skipped through half my life. Um, big moment, when I was 11 years old, my parents took me to see a Cirque du Soleil show. And I was like, mom, dad, that's, that's what I, I want to do. And at 18 years old, I went to an audition for a company on par with Sector Slay and I got offered the job. I withdrew my UCAS and I was like, Mom, Dad, I'm joining the circus. And I <laughs> left home at 18 and moved to China and lived in China for three and a half years. And then um, I joined my dream company, which was Sector Slay, and I was with them for about six years before COVID hit. And then kind of my life changed during the pandemic. And then my life changed again when even post-COVID after relaunching with the show, etc. So I don't know where you want to jump in and ask anything from there. You know, it's interesting because I think I saw my first Cirque du Soleil show when I was about oof, maybe 16. Yeah. Um, Do you know which one? Yes, I saw it in Las Vegas. Oh, oh. <laughs> I saw, no, it wasn't. It was at the Mirage and it was the Beatles one. Oh, the Beatles love. Nice. Yes. And I remember sitting there and I just thought it was the most incredible thing I was ever watching. I just, it was just beautiful. Yeah. The colors, the music, and, and then the art, like the, the dancing, the gymnastics. I just remember thinking like, this is a show. <laughs> like, wow. And I have seen a few since, but that obviously was the one that yeah. really, really stuck with me. Um, so yes, I mean, Cirque du Soleil is obviously incredible. Um, and you know what's amazing that you got to fulfill yeah, a dream. I'm so fortunate and lucky mm. enough to say that honestly, like I did it and I'm so proud and grateful that I had the opportunity that I had and did it for as long as I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you got to fulfill the dream young. That's the thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, now I've got the opportunity to chase more dreams. I'm like, I don't know what it is that I want to do, but yeah, the, the world is your oyster. It is, and that can be exciting, the I don't know what to do, oh, because it is limitless. There are so many dreams and opportunities out there. It's like, oh, which one is exactly. going to turn up tomorrow? Exactly. Um, and so before we do obviously talk about what you're doing now, um, I want to, let's go with the first time you said that your life changed. So that was pre-COVID? Yeah, pre uh, no, co during COVID. Yeah, so COVID. So basically, pandemic hit, we all lost our jobs and I thankfully had a backup plan. I had qualified in 2014 as a personal trainer and never really used my certification. I kept the knowledge up and then coaching a couple of people, traveling on tour and stuff. 
And so when we all got sent home, I was actually in Russia at the time. I think probably one of the last few people who got to travel there. Um, yeah, came back to London for the first time in about eight years. So it was a bit weird to come back home. And I'm very grateful and lucky that my family are able to house me. So I had a place to go to. And I was like, okay, I've got this backup plan. Let's use it. So launched my own personal training business, um, jumped in on the hype of the Zoom online workouts, joined um, a local gym club and started building a client base that way. Um, at the same time, it was the first time where kind of went through a bit of an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was without circus defining me. I've been a gymnast since I was four years old, up until, you know, being 28, known as an acrobat, as a performer. I was like, okay, this is, this is weird. What else do I like? What else do I enjoy? And I never went to university. So I was like, okay, what is it that I'm passionate about? What interests me? How can I better myself for the future or prepare myself for later taking this opportunity to educate myself while we have a pause everyone kind of thought it was going to be three months or two weeks or you know it anyway we all know the story <laughs> um so I decided to study sports psychology and I just found it so fascinating like even some of the mental exercises I did during performing relate to sports psychology without actually understanding the science behind it so yeah I did I did that and whilst I was studying I was like there's no support network for artists there's nothing to help during that transition I felt really lost isolated and alone and I know a lot of people probably felt the same way and I'm very lucky I had such a good support network around me I was home and I you know I had a job that I could at least get some uh, stability source of income coming in so that was amazing so that was always in the back of my mind and then in 2021 Cirque du Soleil called me and was like hey um we plan to reopen your show do you want to go back and we're starting in London I was like oh my god I'm so lucky in 2020 the show finished in London I got to perform and live that dream at the Royal Albert Hall where I inspired where I was inspired and then I got to inspire the younger generation I was like oh my gosh wow I'm pinch me like what what a dream absolutely so I joined um Sector Soleil in Wakefield for three months training to relaunch Luzia because a lot of people didn't go back we had a lot um a lot of new technicians so everyone had to relearn the show so I did three months of training and then we came to London in January January 2022 and um to relaunch our, our show in the Royal Albert Hall Unfortunately, the week before premiere, I had COVID, so I was out, and thankfully, we had the testing policy that it was at the period, if you tested negative on day seven, you could be free, and I tested negative on day seven, so I was free, and I did the dress rehearsal, everything went really well, the next day, we had something called a private preview, so it's basically like a premiere, but more for press, media, some celebrities and stuff like that, before the big premiere, like just getting another rehearsal under our belt, um, in front of a live audience, and unfortunately, during that performance, I had my accident, and I was in denial for a very long time, I was severely injured, didn't really recognize that, and so all of that excitement kind of was just taken away again. So especially with COVID, my job was taken away from me. And now the second time, injury kind of took my job away from me. So I never had that closure of making that decision that I was finished. I'm very much at peace now. But um, yeah, that's kind of leads me to where I am now. And I can go into more details, but I'll let I'll pause and then you can ask <laughs> and see what you want to what you want to hear and learn. Are you allowed to talk about Absolutely. the accident? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So you want you want details? Yes, I do. <laughs> I even have a video if you want to insert the video. I might just do that. <laughs> um, so I do a stupid discipline. I do a stupid discipline called the Russian Swing. Um, hence the name. It's an Eastern European discipline. It's my team consisted of Russians, Belarusians, Ukrainians, and I was one of, now there's one other girl who 
was Australian, but when I first joined the team, I was the only non-Russian on that team. So that kind of gives a bit of perspective, not saying that Russians are crazy, but it just, it's, it's from that region of the world and they have the facilities to train, whereas it doesn't really exist anywhere else. Um, so yeah, they're like two giant swinging pendulums and you've got a pusher on the back and a catcher on the other side. So when the swings come up, you're at the front of one swing and you jump the gap to land on the other swing and your pusher or catcher is at the back over there. You can either go swing to swing, you can either go swing to the same swing or you can go swing to mat. Um, on the first show that I worked on, I did Russian swing to water. And actually when Cirque du Soleil contacted me saying, hey, we, we want you as a character and to do swing to swing, I was like, huh, excuse me? it was always a discipline I was like I will never do that are you mad like no but again it was my dream job so I was like "Uh uh-huh yeah sure sure and I mentally I was like if if I'm terrible they'll fire me if I hate it I'll leave but I fell in love with it and I've been doing it for many many years unfortunately the night of performing there were obviously lots of Lots of factors. Um, in training that day, I did my trick. We train normally in uh, harnesses with safety lines, and then whenever you perform, you don't have any lines at all. Um, I did my trick without the lines twice in rehearsal that morning. Absolutely fine. Definitely uh, adrenaline played a big factor. Um, lighting, I mean, we did validation, which means we test the lights out. Um, but in the show, I wear a wig. And I, I hadn't trained with it. So I, I, back in, my, in the back of my mind, I have a feeling that is one of the factors I just didn't consider. And that's on me. But anyway, um, on the day, it's such a small margin of error in Russian swing. And my shoulders literally, I needed to be like this, and I was like this. So I was too much inside the swing, which means when you land on the other swing, you're going to be further back away from it. At the same time, I'm not blaming anyone, but again, with adrenaline, my pusher might have given me too much of a pop. And if I'm inside the swing, that's going to cut me shorter even more. So I'm going to be even further back from the other swing. Um, I remember, I mean, there's nothing you can do. As soon as you take off, you physically can feel where you are in the air. I knew I was going to be short, just didn't know how short. And the rule of thumb is you make contact with the other swing as soon as possible. I'm very thankful it was only just my foot because if it wasn't my foot, it would have then been my hips or my chest or worse, my head. And that could have been, you know, I'm, I count my blessings on that. I'm very, very lucky. So when I came out, I reached out as far as I could with my legs, had a bit too much rotation first thing to make contact with the swing was my left foot which just broke and then managed to grab the swing with my hands so the rest of my body was on it and I rode the swing down and then the next uh, part of impact was my knee obviously if you're holding onto a moving object it's going to try drag you it's so powerful it forced me to release with my hands the spotters stopped the swing immediately and I kind of did like a scorpion movement a lot of people thought I hurt my back but I'm quite lucky my back's quite flexible, but it looked worse than it was. And immediately I jumped up and I was like, I'm okay, I'm fine. I remember one of the spotters looked at my foot and I don't really remember feeling anything when I walked off the swing and I was like, yeah, I'm okay. Like you need to say that you're okay, whatever signal you give. Um, And then I like sat back down trying to stay in character and I was like doing a full body assessment. I was like, okay, so I think I'm fine. The girl across from me was looking at me because we then have a jump where we cross each other in a couple of sequences um, time. And I was like trying to assess if I could jump again, if I was okay. And I was like, hmm. And I was like, I think I'm okay. She was like, you good? And I was like, "Um, give me a second. And then I stood up. As soon as I stood up and I put weight on my left leg, it just felt just felt like jelly, like it, I didn't know the severity of it, but I was like, uh, can I jump, <laughs> like questioning, you know, you've got ego, you've got adrenaline, and then um, one of the pushers came up to me, and he was like, are you okay, and I was like, I don't think so, and I managed to, I don't know how, but I managed to walk myself off stage, backstage, and to physio, and again, I was like, oh, if physio can come, that would be great, but like, it's not urgent, it's, 
you know um physio has to watch the rest of the act to make sure that everything's okay it's such a high risk act and yeah I missed I missed the next trick and then I told the pusher um well he knew because he pushes me for my dismount the last trick and so they just cut it and um they continued the act without me and I went to A&E and did an x-ray and actually they said everything was fine I was like okay it's just a sprain maybe tomorrow I'll be in premiere and it'll be fine I couldn't couldn't wait there at all like it was very very swollen and two days later I did an MRI and found out that I had broken a bone but it's a very rare break where basically you split between your big toe yeah so basically let's say the if it's it's the equivalent of breaking here so the gap is bigger there was a vis- there was a visual on the x-ray but if you don't know what you're looking for you're not going to see it so i'd broken my liz frank and at the same time i had torn my deltoid ligament so i needed reconstructive surgery and when they told me i needed surgery i was like oh my god i've never had to have surgery before like it was i was like really like there's no other option um but yeah i was really in denial and i played it down for a very long time i was like i'm fine i'm fine but was I? I, don't, I got through it. I'm very thankful. I'm back to walking. I live almost a pain-free life and I am back to flipping around again and who knows what the future holds. But that's, yeah, that was the accident. Um, it feels like a lifetime ago, but I remember when I was in it that it was, man, it was, it was not easy. And that kind of, again, brings me back to where I am today. And we can talk about that in, in a second. I'll try compartmentalize a bit better <laughs> denial is a really interesting thing isn't it i mean you know that yeah, you're yeah, yeah yeah you've seen the scans yeah but it's like you're like yeah but i'm fine i'm totally fine and someone could look at you and they're like they're not fine you're like i'm fine <laughs> it's a really interesting concept i mean it's you go through the five stages of grief and denial is the first stage so it's it's definitely a part of the healing process but again, I was in, it was, mo- I was more upset that I wasn't going to do premiere and I watched premiere the next day and it was funny because my family all had tickets and they, I was like, please still come, you know, it's a big moment relaunching after COVID. We didn't know forever, you know, and my dad said to me, he was like, it's the first time I've actually enjoyed the show without feeling like <laughs> anxious. He was like, it's a great show. I was like, I know. He's like, I preferred it when you weren't in it. I was like, thanks dad. But um, no, it was a really, it was a huge milestone and I was so proud of everyone. It just, yeah, you've, you've got ego that you want to be a part of it. And I was, but yeah, again, I I got to do the show two years before that and I got to live and enjoy that whole experience. So again, you've got to count your blessings. No, I agree. But I think with regards to the denial and then also obviously, you know, what you're doing now, but also Cirque du Soleil being a dream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, you were living the dream, but then suddenly you were watching the dream. Yeah. You know, your family were there, obviously, you know, watching it as well, but you were watching this dream kind of unsure of, Am I going to get back to it or am I not going to get yeah. back to it? And how, I mean, how was that for you? You know, having the, having the dream so, and it being taken yeah, away. I mean, I'm, again, like, I still can't believe I got to live. I, I got to live that dream and I'm so, so happy I did it. When we re-signed contracts, I was already a bit uncertain whether I wanted to stay long-term. So I only signed a short-term contract with the hope to maybe extend if I felt like I wanted to stay. So when I got injured, my contract ended whilst I was out on injury, even though I thought my injury would literally take six months, which was, I don't know why I believed that. I really, that, but it was like, the doctor was like, oh, six months, but I didn't understand. It was six months until I was like starting to walk again, not, I don't know who I was. I already signed up for a fitness competition. I was in major, major denial. I was like sure that my life was going to be back on track. So Yeah, it was quite a hard one because my contract ended whilst I was injured. But so I had to come to terms with the acceptance that that really might be the end for me with regards to performing. I actually visited the show in Spain in at the end of 2022. And I was so at peace. And it was and again, I'm just very, very proud that I was a part of that. Um, I'm also the poster child for Luzia. And so 
wherever Luzia goes, I will always be a part of it. Um, unless they change all the branding and stuff for the show then. But I've left my mark, I've left my legacy and yeah, I have the closure I needed. It is stunning and a phenomenal phenomenal show. And if they ever did need me, I would love to I would love to go back. But again, it it will be depending because as much as I love the show I'm also very grounded and happy in London and have my life here so yeah it's like finding (laughs) (laughs) finding that that balance um yeah what character were you so did you see the show no 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 don't don't be be silly and so I was the character's called the running woman she's like part monarch part taramara ultramarathon running tribe from Chihuahua, Mexico. It's a Mexican-themed show. And she's, like, a symbol of female empowerment, which, like... I, I always speak about my character in, like, third person, even though it was me, but it's, like, my alter ego almost. And I learned so much from her. And a lot of the time it's funny because I don't always see myself in her. Like, I feel like she's super confident and then I'm not. But as I've grown and kind of maybe it's the closure I've got from it is that I'm like at I'm like now at the same level I guess I don't know how to explain it it's it's really weird but yeah um she's kind of like the tour guide of the show and has this magical power and wherever whenever she's on stage you know something is going to happen and then at the end of the show she takes flight and does the Russian swing and yeah it's it's very beautiful (laughs) very poetic (laughs) Yeah, what's really nice is when you were talking about the alter ego thing, and I think it almost sounds like you having this, you know, say alter ego, however long ago it was now, but you feeling at peace with her and very leveled with her. I feel like it was obviously part of parts of you that always maybe wanted to come out, yeah. parts of you that were harboring. Yeah. And it was coming out with her. So yes, it felt like two different people once, but now it doesn't because these parts of you are you now. Yeah, no, for sure. And especially in the beginning when we had rotations of, or if ever I was sick or someone, or someone else would do my role and it was always like, ah, you know, like someone else. But now I'm very like, yeah, I'm very proud because it's remnants of what I put in and it's so beautiful to see what each other individual brings to that character and watch them blossom and flourish and grow. It's, yeah, it's really, really powerful. And yeah, everyone has a little bit of running woman in them and, and I really like that. <laughs> you have a lot of gratitude. It's, yeah, yeah oh, it's really you. nice. I can hear it. <laughs> no, I can, it's really nice. I can see it. I can hear it. Yeah, I could also be from from injury. I mean, I, I don't know if you ever did the gratitude journal whilst you were injured. It's not something I necessarily did, but it's something I would think about a lot and it's something that I am kind of trying to help others understand as well when they're in that dark darker mindset as well yeah gratitude is very important um but we don't realize it yeah I think I'm sure you're quite similar but not being able to walk like I will never take for granted again especially after being on crutches I like my heart aches whenever I see anyone on crutches now like on the tube that was one of the biggest struggles for me and I was so um, stubborn that I was going to get from A to B on the tube, non-weight bearing. <laughs> I did it, but I reflect now, I'm like, when I walk from Tottenham Court Road Station, that big, I'm like, how the hell did I do this? Like, it's it's crazy. So yeah, I am, especially for my legs, <laughs> very, very grateful. Yeah, I actually, I had that today, before meeting you today, I was at the train station and I love stairs now. I love stairs because once upon a time I couldn't, couldn't, yeah. couldn't get upstairs. Yeah. I couldn't walk upstairs. And it was at King's Cross Station just now. Um, and I'm faced with the escalator and the stairs. And I choose to walk up the stairs now. I, love I that. choose it. Even if the escalators are free and mm-hmm. I can get on it fine, I choose to walk up the stairs because... Because you can. And I'm as soon as I'm at the bottom of those stairs, I mean, it's I love that it happens. As soon as I'm at the bottom of the stairs and I look up, I have this like warm, radiant feeling inside, and I'm like, right, we got this. Let's yeah. go up some stairs today. Oh, I love that. And that's a tiny little small thing, but I love stairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
better for you as well. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm telling myself while I'm running up them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, gratitude, it's, uh, you do find gratitude in the smallest of things. And that does help you get through moments, hours, days. Um, so obviously now I do want to talk about where you are now. Yeah. Um, and how you've evolved. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've just launched, I say a product called Evolve. And Evolve is basically to help any athlete, performer make that transition out of performing or sport back into the real world. Again, when I was out injured, there was not much support and I took it upon myself after studying the sports psychology. I was like, I need something else to to help with this. So I did life coaching and so kind of married life coaching and sports psychology together. And I just did a course with um, TAS from UK Sport called Understanding Athletic Transitions. And so, yeah, I've just launched Evolve to help you through that journey um, helping you deal with your identity, which is something, again, I struggled with. I felt really lost and alone. Um, dealing with maybe if you have a career-ending injury, how are you going to swallow that pill? Dealing with mindset, dealing with tangible skills, like maybe you've been a sector soleil artist for 20 years and that's all you know and you don't have any qualifications, but you have so many assets to you that you don't even realise that are amazing, you just maybe don't know how to write them in a CV. So it's pulling those skills and helping you understand what you actually can do. And you have the university of life, which is sometimes is even more than than having a degree. So there are uh, dealing with fear, dealing with stress. Um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> There's a lot of co- uh, topics that I cover with that. Um, and purpose is another big one. So... Yeah, that's kind of what I'm working on now, trying to help others so they don't have to go through what I did and just make that process a lot easier and smoother. It's, it's, it, I'm surprised it doesn't exist because it needs to. There's a few sports that have the money and the funding for it. Um, but in the performing industry, even when COVID hit, there was no support, like no funding, nothing in our field of work. We didn't have equity or anything like that. So, yeah, um, I really hope that I can make an impact and a difference and help people evolve and make that transformation. So then if people want to come to you with Evolve, how can they? Um, so right now I um, I only have it on an Instagram page, but you can email or you can send me a DM. And the first session together will just be a consultation. It'll just be talking about what you're dealing, dealing with and what you're going through. And then we can talk about how many sessions you necessarily want or need and then I will cater those sessions giving you tools uh, to help you through that process so that's that's how it works and I really hope that I can make a difference (laughs) I'm sure you will I'm sure you will I mean you you already are oh that's Um, very kind of you you definitely will and I think it's really interesting as well when you're talking about you know athletes or people that are you know performers and things like that and once you stop doing it you yes there might be an identity crisis but then it's also like but that's all I know how how will I ever you know how do I do anything else and I was actually talking to someone about it recently um an athlete and they were saying that it happens a lot you know you know your whole life is doing one thing and then for whatever reason it stops you choose to stop or it has to stop you're forced to stop you sit back and it's like okay wait a minute yeah what do like what do I do now I only know how to do this I, how do I bring that into the real world? And ironically, you can. You can bring everything that you learn in your sport or your art and your hobby, whatever it is, into the rest of life. But you don't always know how. You, you you need the tools. You need to be shown. And once you are shown and once you have the tools, you kind of, you do. You you know, the synergy's there. You bring it together. Yeah, so that's I have something called tangible skills or tools and picking and choosing certain aspects and attributes that you have that you don't even realize that can facilitate you back into the real world so yeah again thinking about transitions it's never too early to start whether you just you know let's say I'm 18 years old and I just stepped into the world of Cirque du Soleil of course I'm not going to be thinking about my transition out just yet because I've just started but I really you know I 
you should, you should start thinking about your future, like, okay, I'm living my dream, but what can I do at the same time, maybe on the side, maybe I'm studying something to help myself later in life, and already start to separate that identity, because you're not going to be a performer for your entire life, it's not the longest career span, Um, I mean, some people, really amazingly for them, they've done it for, you know, 20, 30 years, but not everyone's body will hold out that long. And then speaking of identity crisis, when you had yours, how, I mean, how was that for you? What happened? I really, I just, it was, I really struggled mentally. I really couldn't separate myself. Also, I hadn't been in London for so many years. It's amazing when you come back because obviously, you know, you've got, people are excited to see you, but then you forget that everyone has their lives and they go back to their lives and you're like, oh, I, what am I doing here? What is my purpose? Like, And then the hardest question, even still today, that it's like, oh, what are you doing now? Because people have this expectation of you to still be doing what you've been doing for the last 10 years. And it's, I still struggle with that. And people can't always understand that transition. And especially when I was going through that identity crisis, that would be like a really like stab to the heart. And obviously don't, people don't mean it in a malicious way at all. And they're just curious, but that was, that was really hard for me. Um, but yeah, it was then, I think with COVID it also helped because you kind of knew no one was doing anything of the sort. So it was figuring out things without circus even existing or being there. And so you got given the time and space to kind of explore other avenues, but you still, in the back of your mind, you had this hope. And I think that really kept people like, on their toes and that was another thing as well as like okay I need to stay in shape in order in case um and thankfully we had the three months training as well especially with Russian swimming I was like oh my gosh I don't know like where I'll be mentally but it was like riding a bike (laughs) it really was I stepped on it on day one I was like oh yeah okay it's still in my body two years out it's fine (laughs) yeah oh here we go again yeah exactly it was like yes the adrenaline I missed this (laughs) But then you wrote you wrote a book in COVID. I did. I completely, <laughs> I completely um, went over there. Like skipped that. Yeah. So I mean, I started writing. It was more of a cathartic thing. It was just like a release. Like also, it was kind of to remind me of what I had done. So I kind of just started like as a timeline of what I did. And then I embellished a little bit. And then they kind of separated into chapters. And my dad read a draft I don't know why I gave it to him to read but I did and he was like you know you've got a story here you've got a story to tell and I was like oh yeah he was like you could really inspire others with this it was like you should embellish more make it into chapters make your write your story and I was like oh and so so I did (laughs) um I mean I did get a helping hand because my English is terrible um I (laughs) feel bad whoever had to edit it and go through all my spelling mistakes but yeah um I I did it and I'm so proud of it and I really hope that I can inspire the younger generation to pursue and follow up follow your dreams because if you don't try you don't know and if you don't put yourself out there again you don't you know you're closing doors before they've even opened so even now I mean during now and COVID (laughs) LinkedIn, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but I have applied to so many jobs that I am not qualified for at all. To say I probably, I'm like, you got to have a hard shell. If you don't like rejection, don't do it. But <laughs> the amount of rejection I get, and I'm like, oh, you know, I, you. and then I've had a few respon- responses and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like if I hadn't done that, you, you wouldn't get a response. So yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's an interesting outlook, but um. And I've gone on a tangent. I don't even remember what you asked me. <laughs> well, no, but that's that's the interesting thing is when you said it's about putting yourself out there. 100%. And even if you don't feel that you're 100% qualified, just do it anyway. Oh, 100%. The amount of times I've been told I'm a wild card and I've like had interviews and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm, I feel like I do better in person as well. Again, I'm like, I've, I always say I have the university of life. And I think that sometimes is better than someone who's just studied a textbook. No offense. <laughs> yeah, no offense. No yeah, offense, I'm not offending no offense. anyone. <laughs> no offense. But it, it, it does. And it, 
this is the thing as well, and I think a lot of people think if they don't have the grades, they don't have the A-levels or the university degree, yeah. they don't have that, then they're not going to get forward. 100%. And that's something... I did... I finished my A-levels. So when I left home at 18, I moved to Belgium at the same time I was completing my A-levels. So I went back and forth to, to finish. And then obviously I was really upset when I didn't get the grades. And I was like, oh, you know... I went to quite an academic school and I wasn't an, an academic... And um, I got BBC, which isn't even bad at all, you know. And I was like, I'm going to reset. And my mom was like, wait. She was like, you're about to move to China. Like, A-levels are there if you want to redo them at some point in your life. And I was like, okay. And I was really upset at the time. Um, Yeah. Have I ever looked back at my A-levels? Has anyone ever asked me about my A-levels? No. Do I want to reset them? Absolutely not. Like, completely irrelevant. And again, you can always study later in life. I studied at 28 years old, doing sports psychology. Um, they didn't They didn't ask me for my A-levels. Like, so um, there's always an opportunity. And I think, especially with performing, your career span is quite short. The earlier you get your foot in the door, the better. Um, and again, study, studying will always be there. Mm-hmm. Some people really want to go to university and there's nothing wrong with that. So, but follow what you want to do. Don't try, you know, go with the, what is expected of you, you know. Not always going with the norm. Yeah. I always say I deviated from the social norms, but that's very psychology based. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's, it's a lot of people think that they need to follow what everyone's doing. Exactly. Because it's the secure, safe life. Yeah. But there's um, pressure as well from school and hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So I get Schools, it. communities, Parents, you know, yeah. it, it comes from all different places where there is pressure. But I think a lot of people don't follow their dreams because of the pressure yeah. and also just because of fear. Yeah. The, the fear of rejection, the fear that they'll never do it, the fear that they're not good enough. Yeah. But if you never try, you never know. Exactly. There's always fear of the unknown and uncertainty. When I first left my job in uh, Macau, before going to Cirque du Soleil, I think I was I was 22 at the time and I had my personal training qualification. I was like, oh, worst case, I'll come home and just do that. But when I then later, because of COVID, when I was 28, that fear and uncertainty was heightened. So it was really interesting to see that with age, it changes and it shifts. But again, it's what what is actually in control and what's not in control and, and letting go of what is completely out of your control because otherwise it's just going to take over your like spiral mindset so yeah it's very interesting I agree and some of the most amazing things happen when you step into the unknown 100% 100% yeah people don't see that they don't yeah. realize that it's thinking and you well, get stuck and you uh, get comfortable and that's yeah and you don't grow so mm. when you take a step outside that comfort box that's when there's so many more opportunities mm-hmm. and they might not come straight away and it might be a struggle for, you know, but again, it's a, it's a learning curve and it will only better you for your future, that, in my opinion. Well, it usually is a struggle. Yeah. It usually is a struggle because it's a struggle to show you and, you know, what is it, whatever is around you that this is what you really want and you're determined to get it. So that's usually why it is a struggle because you have to go through the struggles. People that give up as the struggle hits... Well, they're the people that aren't determined enough. They're the people that don't really want the dream. But the people that kind of work through the struggle, they want yeah, the dream. I promise you it's worth it at the other end. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Even, like, again, I skipped majorly through my story. But if you do read my book, which <laughs> is something I did write, you'll, you'll see I have the highs and lows and that I, regardless of being hit left, right and centre, I, I persevered and continued. And rather to prove anyone else, it was to prove myself that I could do it. And... Again, when I look back, I'm like, wow, I've grown so much from being a little 18-year-old, like, intimidated, and I was naive, but, and there are things that happened that I would, would do differently that I've, that I'm older now, but um, I'm still very proud of that journey and being determined and building that resilience, and I wouldn't be who I am today without it, so very thankful. (laughs) Good. Well, it is true, the saying, no pain, no gain. It really is true. 100%, 100%. (laughs) I was just about to ask you, actually, are you proud of yourself? Yeah, I am. And I'm, like, if you asked me a couple of years ago, I would have been a lot more, like, shy and modest about it. But, no, I've got no shame. I'm very proud of 
everything I've achieved and it's not been easy at all um but things in life aren't so and that's the beauty of life as well and when you have the highs they're super high and when you have the lows as well you can make them into moments that you are proud of that you've overcome and yeah like again a year ago I literally wasn't on my feet and a year to like today I'm I'm walking and it's such an achievement and yeah I'm so proud of that journey in itself but I'm proud of all the other things that I've done as well how is your physical recovery um yeah it's I've I've been cleared I was cleared in March this year so it was a year and four months to the date of my injury and even then like I had physio uh, I stopped physio last month and I'm still doing my own things um some days are better than others but I can tumble I can do the things I enjoy tomorrow is a big day for me so we'll see how much impact I can actually take I'm going to jump off 10 meters <laughs> um and see if my foot can take that impact so it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting test, um, but I'm excited about it. So we'll, we'll see um, if I survive. I'm sure you will. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> nice. It's, it's so funny. You said the bat jumping off 10 meters and then I envisioned myself jumping off 10 meters oh, and no. my knee was like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> it wasn't even on my mind. My knee was like, no, no, no. It's, no. Like, no that's, it's, <laughs> it's like, but that's what's really interesting as well. I'm nearly two years past my accident. Um, well, since my accident and there are still thirsts that I'm having. 100%. I haven't jumped. 10 meters I don't know if I will but <laughs> have you still... done 10 meters before your injury or off of something yeah no <laughs> so it would have been um, a first ever maybe <laughs> no a climb a bouldering wall isn't no 10 it's meters. not 10 meters then no no. <laughs> <laughs> no I used to jump sometimes from the top of the bouldering wall you know when I got stuck yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> and I don't want to climb yeah, back down like but even that now I think about bouldering and I think about getting to the top and getting stuck and I'm like I'm not jumping down yeah I was like I'm not watching my knee buckle you're again lot, you're a lot more cautious now you're so oh, much more aware yeah but yeah I'm I'm curious for myself I want to know because I've I, I used to dive for three and a half years on on the show in China and I haven't done it since mm. especially since my injury I'm like I just need to know yeah. if it reacts badly then I know maybe that kind of impact is not for me anymore but Again, if you don't try, you don't know. So we'll soon find out. Well, it's try. It is trial and error. Yeah, you do just have to keep trying things to figure yeah. it out. And it's for my brain as well. I want to know if the spatial awareness is still there, and also just give me a bit of an adrenaline rush. <laughs> I do. I do miss it. <laughs> we have to find things that you used to feel. One hundred percent. You kind of have to find them again. If that's something you love, you find them again, but in different ways. So actually, you say that next week. Um, I'm turning 30 and I'm Happy going, <laughs> Thank you. I'm going skydiving. Oh, I've never been able to do it because I've always been under contract mm -hmm. and I'm not under any contract. So I am so excited to go and do that. And I'm so excited to compare that adrenaline rush with Russian swing and sorry, parents, if, <laughs> if, if I love it, who knows, maybe I'll become a dive instructor. <laughs> that, might, that might be the new dream. <laughs> You adrenaline <laughs> kick. Your parents are listening and they're like, no, 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 they're no, like, no, oh no. gosh, what is wrong with that? They're like, why don't you stop? <laughs> why do you want to keep doing it? Uh, just, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's very funny. It, that reminds me of when I um, I went climbing in Yosemite, rock oh, climbing amazing. in Yosemite uh, in 2017, and I didn't tell my parents until I'd done it. <laughs> Because I knew the, if, that's the better way to do it. Because I knew if I called them and told them what I was about to do, scale a seven hundred foot, you know, they would have said no. Yeah. And then I wouldn't have wanted to do it because I just wouldn't have wanted yeah. to. So yeah, I told them after. It's always better after, hundred <laughs> percent, and that you survived. Exactly, I'm here to tell the yeah, tale. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, good luck tomorrow, and good luck for skydiving. Thank you, thank you very much. A lot of adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. just missing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll skydiving. You'll definitely. Feel... Have you done it before? No. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so I've done bungee jumping mm -hmm. um yeah no I'm really excited good I'm sure you'll feel a rush a I'm, rush I'm of sure. something I'm, I'm sure something. I'm sure if I don't I think there might be something wrong with me. <laughs> yeah and you're like why am I not getting it with this yeah, so well, yeah. <laughs> I've jumped out of a plane yeah exactly no I'm sure I will it, I'm sure you already will. tomorrow I could, like picture myself of nine meters doing tricks I'm already like the anxieties there I'm like okay so yeah no I, I think yeah. my adrenals 
will work again. <laughs> and you'll feel so proud afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm, I just want to know. Yeah. I just want to know. No, of course, of course. Well, we do. We need to know for our own minds. Exactly. And nobody else's mind except yeah, our own. exactly. And then I just want to ask you if you had, uh, well, what advice would you give to somebody that's going through let's say the identity crisis in, in their own way. And it might be because of something they were doing, the job, the dream, the person, whatever it is that they loved, their dream was taken, taken away. away. That's a great, that's a great question. So with regards to identity, take time to explore, figure out all the different things that you enjoy doing, pursue those avenues and think about if you were living that dream, what when you were doing that dream, what were the things that you were missing? What did you not have time for? And think about maybe it's traveling, maybe it's, you know, I don't know, writing. Try take time and give time to the things you neglected. And that will also fill your cup. And it will also give you the opportunity to explore all those other avenues that you weren't able to do. Um, I do a lot of different exercises, especially if you are a performer, trying to see things within the world of performing as well. Um, But yeah, if you're going through an injury, my biggest thing is patience. And even reflecting now, I miss the days where everything was so much slower. I'm like back into that rush, 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 fast pace world. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how like... I went from zero to a hundred, like, is there no 50? Um, but yeah, just embrace it. And it's a beautiful journey. And I know it's hard in the moment because it's, you just want to be on the other end of it, but it's, it is a beautiful journey and, and take your time and make sure that you look after yourself properly and that you heal well. Otherwise, if you go in too quickly, you might have more, um, Re- not relapses but like back steps but yeah patience is the biggest thing I learned um and I learned that I was quite an impatient person and I just wanted to get from A to B as quickly as I could but yeah embrace and enjoy the journey because it is a part of your personal development and personal growth yeah I love that and it's you know short term for long term 100 percent. you know what you're doing now in the short term even if it's mundane or it's yep. boring or you are really impatient just kind of go with it yeah because for this little short term bit yeah long term it's gonna all work out and it's something that i've recently learned and realized is that you know every day you think you're not moving forward but every day you are, and it's only when you're, whether it be a week, a month, a year, two years down the line, and you look back and you think, wow, every day I didn't think I was moving anywhere. I actually thought I was going backwards. You weren't. You were moving slowly every single day yeah. forwards. And like I said, at some point in your life, you do look back and you think, wow, I really, look who I was back then, now look at who I am. And I didn't think I was moving anywhere. And yet you were. Are you proud of your recovery and journey? Yeah, I am. I am. Well, thank you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) No, of course. Yeah, I am. I yeah, I really am. And like things like that as well. I remember, you know, moaning to my physio because I was so bored of the exercises and I wanted to squat heavier. (laughs) Yeah, I I hear you. I was like, why can't I squat heavier? And he was like, because you can't. You you can't. And I was like, but I'm strong enough. He was like, you're not strong enough. So I rem- that's the thing. I remember going through things like that and him explaining to me, Talia, you know, don't injure yourself again yeah. now, you know, just because you're impatient and you want things now. You have to really, really yeah. go with it. And I you know I, I really am proud with myself. And, you know, it's, you know, like I said, it's two years and just to see everything that's happened and everything, you know, be grateful for walking upstairs. And- 100%. It's, it's those things as well. Um, and again, when you said about going from zero to 100, you know, I, th- wh- yeah, where is 50? I do feel that <laughs> somewhere I went 100 and then I have to remind myself that some days, no, let's go to 50 again. Yeah. I sometimes miss those slow days. Yeah. You know, when, you know, I do. And it's interesting. I remember my surgeon and my physio at the time telling me that I think this was just after I'd got rid of the crutches and maybe the knee brace as well. But it was at a stage where it was like, if a train comes, 
and you think you're going to miss it, but if you ran to it, you'd get it. They were like, don't run. I remember them telling me, my thing was my surgeon was like, don't run for it. Don't run for that train. And I said, okay. He goes, well, first of all, don't because you're going to hurt yourself. (laughs) He was like, you're only going to injure yourself again. He goes, but don't run. And I said, okay, why? He said, because there's another one two minutes later. Yeah. And it was that really small piece of information that I still take in with my day like today, every day, and it's, it's, okay, maybe fair enough, not all the time, maybe, you know, I have to wait an hour for the train, okay, fair enough, but <laughs> in, in, in random aspects of my life sometimes, when I'm in that situation where maybe before my accident, I would have just, you know, run or, yeah, or, or take the initiative, in get yeah. caught up, I stop and I'm like, yeah, but there was a time for six months to a year where I physically couldn't do this. Yeah. There's going to be the next train or a next this or a next that yeah after my second surgery and I was put back on bed rest and I was like really again but reflecting now I'm like I wish I appreciated that honestly where where is that bed rest days now it's it's crazy so in hindsight you will reflect and you'll be like I wish I was more appreciative of those slow moments yeah and in, I mean I had two weeks after my first surgery at home and then two weeks after my second surgery at home. And when I look back, oh yeah, I mean, I was just horizontal watching yeah. telly. Also, you're, I remember after the first surgery, I think I was so drugged for the mm. first two weeks that I was miserable and I wanted to get off the medicine as quickly as I could. But yeah, the first after the first surgery was way worse than the second. Yeah, I, I think mine was similar as well. Yeah. My first surgery was harder and, than the and second. And after the first, the worst part is... So it's only uphill from there. Like, you've done the hard bit and it's it's just more of a mental game oh 100 100 percent. i agree with you yeah is there anything else that you'd like to share today i don't think so <laughs> oh well then that's perfect it's been a pleasure to have you thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure as we wrap up today's episode let shelly's story serve as a powerful reminder that life's unexpected turns can lead us to self-discovery so this week ask yourself do you ever feel lost Do you embrace the unknown and does uncharted territory terrify or excite you? When you find yourself lost in the unknown, don't be afraid. It's in those moments of uncertainty that you often uncover incredible aspects of who you truly are. So stay tuned for more incredible stories and thank you for joining us. Keep moving forward unapologetically yourself and never hesitate to embrace the uncharted path. So until next time, stay bold, stay true to you and remember that you have the power to get back up.